Hey, welcome to BTS Podcast. It's been over a year. I'm so sorry, um, but it's been good for my health. So I'm going to jump right into it. This episode I recorded at the end of 2020 when I had COVID and was um, quarantining. I get to talk to Sierra Reed. She is incredible. She works with influencers. And this is a part two of the conversation I had with Leah Haberman. I highly recommend you go back and listen to that conversation. If you have not already, you've had a whole year. What's going on? Anyhow, Leah and Sierra both work with influencers. Sierra is now at Whaler. We talk about a lot. And I highly recommend listening to this, especially if you are having a hard time navigating the corporate environment. We talk about feedback. We talk about leadership, managing up, and so much. Anyhow, if you don't want to hear an update about where I've been, what's been going on, feel free to skip to about four minutes into this podcast, and that's where Sierra's conversation starts. Here is why I have been MIA. One, I was helping take care of my grandmother who had dementia, and so that is a full-time job, and I was helping out my dad, and yeah, that's a lot of work, and so be loving to the caregivers in your family. It is more than people can express. Two, I started acting. Three, I was depressed. Um, And to rewind back to acting, acting has been going well. It's been great. I am really grateful for the work that I've booked. And you should follow me on Instagram if you want to see that. I try not to like bombard people with it, but it exists. Maybe you've seen me on a Verizon commercial. Maybe you have seen me in a Starbucks commercial spinning very quickly. Chances are you didn't notice me. Anyhow, it's been a wild year. If you would like to support this podcast, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. I am always looking for sponsors. I would specifically love sponsors of either products that I love and use or sponsors that I have worked with from a social perspective, such as Crimson Hexagon, Opal, Sprout Social. Hit me up if you want to work together. You can also support this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash BTS podcast where you can support on a monthly basis. It would also be super helpful if you used my promo codes for services that I love. One of them is Acorns. It is how I have saved money for retirement and also have continued to grow my stock portfolio. Use the link in the description of this episode or go to acorns.com slash invite slash L33KZP. I am also a huge fan of hotel tonight when I'm traveling. Uh, Side note, we're in a pandemic still, so please don't travel that much. But if you have to, use LCOOK61 to save on your first booking with hotel tonight. I'm a huge fan. I think I'm like a level nine in the rewards program. So um, obviously I'm a fan because I have used it for like six or seven years. One of the reasons I procrastinated on releasing this episode is because I thought to myself, self, I should do a rebrand. And then I realized that is just productive procrastination. So yes, a rebrand of BTS podcast is in progress. In the meantime, please enjoy previous episodes with the current branding. And if you know anybody who wants to rebrand a podcast, please send them my way. Thank you so much and enjoy our conversation. Hey, welcome to BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook, and I am really excited to have on Sierra Reed. 
Sierra Reed is the channel partner and content marketing manager at Trifecta Nutrition. She was formerly at Mozilla as their marketing and social media relations manager, where she worked on both Firefox and Pocket. So we have a lot to talk about between working with influencers, working in social media, and otherwise. So let's get started. Hi, Sierra. Thanks for being on. Hi, Lene. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to chat with you. I know we've had this in the works for a while, and I'm so glad that both of our schedules finally cleared up enough for us to do this. As am I. This is very exciting. For anyone who's listened to the episode prior to this with Leah Haberman, I recorded that earlier today, and I'm hoping to get both these episodes out within the next couple of weeks because they both have so much helpful information. And I don't know, I just think they'd be good back to back in addition to the episode I had a few episodes ago at this point with Caitlin, who has done so much work in strategy over the years. Anyways, I'm just excited. Sierra, do you mind elaborating on your work at Mozilla? You helped build out their influencer engagement, which is sort of a new field in marketing, and people are still figuring out how to approach it and tackle it. In another way, it's also sort of existed informally for quite some time. So I guess I'd just love to hear about that journey and what it was like for you and how you were measuring success there. Yeah, so I started off at Mozilla in 2016, and I'm not gonna lie, I was real pumped. Go Firefox, everybody go download Firefox. Yes, I'm super making a product plug because Firefox is amazing. Uh, Anyway, so started there in 2016, and I actually started off as a community manager. I'm sure a lot of people don't recognize this, but Firefox as a product has a lot of community support and helping to find bugs and really help build the product. It's an open source product. So the code is available for people to maybe make their own browser if they so choose and have fun with the code. So I started off working with a lot of the community members there. Really helped me get to know what Firefox and Mozilla are truly about. They have such an impassioned group of people that love the product and what it stands for. And it's for people, not for profit. You might see that if you ever go there. And yes, I don't even work there anymore. And I still just love it so much. Like a little piece of my heart. And so I started off in community management and helping them actually build their social channels. And the community is worldwide. So that meant looking at what channel is the best for them? Just because it might work for us in the States, is that the right channel in Brazil? What are they doing and how can we provide resources to them to help them be successful in the goals that they have? And those eventually all, of course, line up into the wider Mozilla goals. And after doing that for a while, I moved into doing some brand marketing and starting to do a little influencer work on the Mozilla side. So Mozilla is the parent company (laughs) for the Firefox suite of products. And Mozilla also has the not-for-profit side. And on the Mozilla side, we actually launched a podcast while I was there. And it was IRL because online life is real life. And so working with helping us find people to be on the podcast or what is the companion content that we want for the podcast and starting to build those kinds of relationships. After that, moved into Firefox, which led to working on Pocket and influencer relationships with the Pocket product. And Pocket is really great. It's a part of the Firefox experience and it's a standalone app. So you can save content and read it for later. People that that's really good for 
anybody that commutes. Or, hey, maybe you're doing some research on something, and so you're trying to save a lot of things, and I don't know if you're anything like me and you have 75 tabs open, that can get a little overwhelming. And so helping people find ways to be more efficient and to read the content at some point, you can use Pocket. So working with journalists or anybody who's a content creator and building relationships with them over at Pocket, which led me to my current role, which is at Trifecta. And for those students, we are an organic meal delivery service who delivers to all 50 states in the United States. Yes, Hawaii and Alaska, looking at you. And so working with athletes and influencers and brand and corporate partners there and helping to make all of those partnerships fit within our marketing mix. That's a lot. That context is really helpful, especially because I think people oftentimes forget that the influencer market is so much larger than just the lifestyle and food bloggers that people often think of when they hear the word influencer. And so I love getting to talk to people who have worked with folks outside of the stereotypical kind of like influencer space. So with Pocket, was that something that Mozilla already saw the value of an influencer program for? Or is that something that you and your team had to advocate hard for? I would say it's a little bit uh, 50-50. There was definitely, we saw the value as a company on influencers, but it was figuring out how do they fit with our product? And a lot of people look at influencers and think of traditional influencers. So they're thinking, oh, I love mommy bloggers, like mommy blogger. Okay. But how does, how does that vertical fit with our product? And is it the right fit? Because it might not be. So really easy and good one were journalists. Because journalists are constantly doing research and they are also producing content that would fit within the product. So how do we find a good marriage there? Uh, another one is, I will talk about it would be Firefox. Finding influencers for Firefox and talking about that product. And one of my favorites, because this was a really early one, was we worked with some like van influencers, people who were traveling and living in their vans before it became cool to like buy a van and retrofit it and you know, use it for camping and stuff. And we did that. I also worked with someone named Stephanie who does lots of different kinds of cool history videos and talking about Firefox within the context of like, I want to say it was the French Revolution and moving that in there. So it wasn't just like a sponsored post. It made it fit the content. And one of my last favorite influencers that we worked with at Firefox was Life Noggin. And they do animated videos on educational content. And so it was really fun to work with these different kinds of influencers for something that's a browser. Yeah. And that's what I find so fascinating. So what, how did you um, go about deciding like what types of activations you do? Like, did you get to know the influencer better and then like work together to figure that out? Just because, you know, each of those are so unique that I'm really curious how your team approached working with influencers for co-created um, and sponsored content. Yeah, so the uh, really fun part of working in influencer marketing is you get to spend a lot of time on the internet. Now, we can talk mental health about that another time <laughs> because you also can't escape, you can't turn it off. But to see all of these really cool and interesting things that are happening and looking for trends. And for me, it was really important to actually find people who were maybe underrepresented 
or were from a different group and it looked different. It also matched the like Firefox underdog feel that we kind of have there. And so working with people who did things like around history, it was like, that's a really cool, really awesome like topic right there. How can we work together? And you know, talking to the influencer and understanding, or I should say creator, because most people hate being called influencers. So. <laughs> So talking with the creator about what's their vision mm-hmm. and how do they think we can work together because it's their channel and it's their baby and their product and their brand. And I want them to feel good about a partnership with us. So it was a lot of talking with them and understanding, Hey, like, this is what I see. This is my pitch, but I would love to hear from you. This is a conversation. This isn't just a, oh, please do this. Here's your money. Here's the check. Move on. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind because I think it is really easy for people to think that influencer marketing is is as simple as finding an influencer that meets the right numbers, hiring them for some posts, and then moving on. And that's typically not a great way to see results or foster positive relationships. I'm really curious. With Mozilla and the different products that you were working on, were you also getting like pitched to by influencers and, and were you guys having influencers reach out to you? Um, on the side that I was on, not as much. Okay. I would say on DevRel side, they saw a lot more action there. I was on more of the like higher brand and like some of the product, but the dev relations side absolutely got more traction there because Firefox has great dev tools. Yeah, definitely. And so I guess since you weren't getting pitched up by influencers, what were some of the things that really stood out to you and made you select, you know, one creator or influencer over another? Ooh, some of the things that stood out to me were honestly like having conversations and did this person seem interested? Yeah. Honestly. I was coming from a place for a product of Firefox and it's like, browsers ain't sexy. Like, I I don't know. You know, I work somewhere where we sell food and abs at this point, right? Like, hey, but I'm like, people are really into like lifestyle and fitness. And that is people like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking browsers. So like, if they were even interested at first, I was like, okay, cool. Let's have a little more of a conversation. Because it's, again... What's sexy about a browser? People don't even talk about browsing the internet anymore. So it was trying to find a common language on how to talk about that product, which I found interesting. And if we could meet there, I knew that they were the right fit. That makes a lot of sense because, um, and that is something actually, you know, prior to starting uh, recording the episode, we were talking about uh, my own personal issues with like appearing like I'm trying too hard, right? Like, wearing makeup and feeling like foolish for or like dressing up and feeling silly for that. And it's funny that you bring up the excitement thing because that is something, you know, I think um, one thing that like gets internalized depending on how you grew up is the idea of like not getting too excited about anything so that you don't seem like uncool. And like my dating life, like, <laughs> mm, uh, like, do I text him back? Right. You're like, I don't want to seem interested. And then you're like, what do you mean? Of course I'm interested. And so um, it's funny because I've definitely like gotten job interviews or even auditions for things where people have been like, oh, well, you just didn't seem that interested. And I've had to learn like, oh, don't hold back your excitement. Like, and I tend to not, 
um, I have a hard time like really emoting verbally. Like I'm much more likely to like put a bunch of exclamation points in a text or an email than I am to like really drive that home in conversation. Um, Where you look, you are emoting here, everybody, yeah. just so you know. 100% yeah. emoting. And she looks so she's being hard on herself. <laughs> well, thank you. It's also because I know no one will have to see this. If I thought it was going to be recorded, I would be like, you know, like very straight faced the whole time, <laughs> but um, which is something I'm definitely working on. But that's a good point to bring up of just like that if you're excited to work with a brand, like let that be known, like let your excitement show because that does matter to the brand, um, especially for something like Mozilla where it's, it's not necessarily something that everybody might resonate with or, um, or might really get, like you don't get excited about Firefox unless you like know about Firefox. Yeah. Like I love Firefox and I use it and I get excited about it, but that's because I also know enough about, you know, like a little bit enough about like internet tools that I'm like, Oh, Firefox is great. Their ads at South by are always amazing. Like that kind of stuff. Um, and they've sponsored a few things that like, where I was like, Oh, that was like really generous of them to sponsor this thing that like probably won't get them that much publicity. So when you're looking at influencers besides, um, I guess, like overall enthusiasm, is there anything else that you feel like stands out where you're like, okay, this is somebody that I want to like build an influencer relationship with for this brand? Uh, something that we touched on also is like, oh, here's your check, move on. That's actually something that I am very passionate about on a personal level is making sure that there is a relationship there. That mm -hmm. th we are going to continue communicating. Even if the partnership is over, I want to make sure that there is a relationship there. Like we may have done some work together in the past. Who knows? Maybe we'll work together again. Maybe I have a connection that I can help you with or in the future. And that's really important to me that people are also looking for true partnership besides just making content because yeah. the rising tide floats all ships. I could not agree with you more. Yeah, that is, that is something I use all the time. Just usually when it comes to like, uh, like political issues, <laughs> but yeah, that is a good, that is a quote that I think is really important for people to remember. Um, the transactional type stuff really, yeah, I, I don't really understand why so many people are so committed to maintaining more transactional type relationships. It's fascinating to me, but the, the partnership model, I think, especially in this category where, um, you know, those of us who are working as on the side of a brand are really taking a risk when we sign on with an, with an influencer that we don't know, or we don't have that much information on because you just never know how it's going to go. And, and so when you find those people that, it, that you work well with, it's really valuable to us on, from that standpoint to stay in touch and like keep track of what they're doing. And, um, and I think that for people who haven't worked at brands, they don't really, I can see why they wouldn't understand that because if I'd never worked in house somewhere, I'd be like, wait, why are you checking in on me? <laughs> like for what? Yeah. No, like I want to know, how are you doing? Yeah. Like I'm not asking you because I'm going to ask you to then do a post or for a business transaction. I want to know you as a person as well. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And so um, what from your perspective makes a successful influencer engagement? Ooh, I think it really depends on the channel, to be honest, and what type of creator they are. I think 
one of the big things that successful creators have done is made it feel like you know them and they've conquered the parasocial relationship and that they're giving you a glimpse into their life in a way that makes it feel like this is real, this is genuine, and this is, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Oh, the A word. The A word. <laughs> but you have to truly embody that. And yeah. That comes from engaging with the people when they are engaging with your content. So if you have a blog and there are comments, you are writing back. <laughs> If you are an Instagram creator, you are participating in the conversations at times. If you're on TikTok, you are doing things so that people know it's you and you're bringing them into your circle and into your life. I think that is one of the things that gets missed out often. And Sure, like I may have a ring light on me right now, just in case, you know, people had to see me because my apartment is terrible lighting. Um, <laughs> but like, a posed photo of you and the product is nothing near, nowhere near as great as you giving it a true endorsement about how it works into your life. Yeah. Like right now, I work at a place where we sell food and that is awesome. Everybody eats. You can sit there and you can hold your trifecta meal and that's, that's a thing. But what does that mean to you? Right. For me, I'm working from home right now and I have meeting, meeting, meeting and trifecta is amazing because it means like, cool, I can just pop this in the microwave for two minutes and I don't have to cook. I don't have to clean. I don't have to worry about if I'm going to overeat because, you know, like I didn't portion out or weigh my food. Right. I don't have to eat more oil. So that's another 120 calories, let's say. I love that part, the convenience. So me writing that in the post, rather than just sitting there and holding up the meal are two completely different ways of talking about a product. One is real, that's what happens. The other one is like, oh, cool, like I love trifecta, smile. <laughs> yeah, in which case, you know, like that's what models are hired for versus when you're working with an influencer. I like to think of them more a lot of times um, just because most of the influencers, sans like one campaign I've worked on, have been more niche. And so I usually refer to them as thought leaders for the exact reason you mentioned of a lot of people don't like to be called influencers. And and because a lot of times when you're digging into the importance of something like demonstrating the value of product in your life, it is important that people look to you as a thought leader of like, oh, this is how this person is thinking and that's why this matters, right? Because that's like models and spokespeople have typically been there to be like the shining face of a company. But when we're working with influencers, we're working with them specifically for like the story that they have brought other people along and like their style and doing things more their way. And so going the extra mile of like that more in-depth sort of content, definitely. Yeah. That's a really good point. I'd kind of forgotten about um, the importance of that point. Yeah. And we have some really big names that we work with in my current role. Mm -hmm. And these are accomplished athletic professionals who are using this product because it helps give them that extra edge, right? Yeah. So that's the story. Like they could easily sit and hold the food or with the box, but there's a reason why. And it's 
that part that they bring that we can't. Yeah. We can't do that, but they can. Like I the four-time former Mr. Olympia or you know a CrossFit Games athlete. Those are that's their story that we get to be a part of that they are telling. Yeah, that's so you know what? You as you were saying that, I realized that's a really interesting move that you made from the tech sector and like sort of really deep in tech. Like it's not tech where people really like like for you to do that job, you have to like really know how Firefox is made and like really understand like why people care about this product and why specifically people that might be categorized as nerds like care about this product and how to talk to them, which is not easy. Like I've had to do that in certain roles and I've had to work with people. I've, I've had to go like, hey, actually, I'm not capable. We need to hire somebody else who can speak to this, right? And like answer these questions because that is not my forte. So um, what was that like for you moving from something niche and tech to something else that's niche and like a little bit more approachable. Um, did you know that you wanted to get sort of into like the, like, I, I guess it's not even because trifecta to me, it's, it's not just like food brand, right? Like I've worked on food brands and those are normally more like CPG brands. This is like pretty specialized, like food, like, do you do bodybuilding yourself? Like, what was it? Um, that's like just a really interesting choice. And I'm so curious about what that was like for you transitioning such extreme different environments. Uh, so I, everybody, I was asked, so don't forget, I was asked, <laughs> I do CrossFit. Okay. <laughs> and good, good preface. Okay. I didn't bring it up on my own. I was asked. <laughs> And so, like, I do CrossFit, and I knew of Trifecta because of CrossFit, Yeah, to be quite honest. So I knew of the company and the brand and the products already. I also watched Total Divas on TV, <laughs> and which then I maybe occasionally would browse WWE Twitter because I got into it. I was like, oh, okay, this is amazing. You know, and we had were or Trifecta had fed some WWE superstars. So I had seen the product and I had actually tried it myself. I genuinely love, like my passion is probably in the health, wellness, motivation, coaching space, to be quite honest. That is my passion. And Trifecta was able to help move me into that. Trifecta also has an app. So I got to move to a company that is going to be growing another product. And I am someone that has app marketing experience from having worked on Firefox and on Pocket, which are both also apps available for someone. So bringing some of that knowledge as well. The shift was very easy for me because I knew the product. What became uh, challenge here was learning the different verticals of athletes that we work with. Before, I was working with some highly technical people, and I did work on taking this technical, high-level information and how do we talk to regular people who aren't developers 
you know, and get them excited. What are the things they care about? And moving into, okay, like we have bodybuilders or I'm working with CrossFit athletes or, you know, like how do we talk to people who are, you know, going on a diet because they're, you know, they found out that they're celiac. So really working on a different kind of messaging and taking our like, uh, authoritative and, you know, industry leading science backed brand and bringing that to other people and tying those pieces together. That's awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when you got there, was their social and marketing team already built out? Team. Ah. (laughs) Are you marketing? Party of one? Team. Um, Just Trifecta is a small business, truthfully. We have less than 100 employees. I think we're about 70. And when I got there, I think there were about 30 of us. Wow. Yeah. So we had... Our, we, who is still there, she has built that social channel and the social channels almost from zero, but they were like a couple thousand. Uh, we have a social media lead and she is fantastic and I love her and she is great. It was our CEO who was doing a lot of the partnership work and then my marketing director. So we have built now a like partnership team. <laughs> we now have a team, but before it was go. So it was the real startup of like, oh, you want to do a thing? Please go figure out how to do it. That is great. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. That's a lot, especially coming from a larger organization. I mean, I can only assume that Mozilla is significantly larger and has a lot more processes in place. Yes. That's an enormous change of pace. You go from quarterly planning to, oh, next week, go do that. Oh, next week. Oh, today. Oh, (laughs) oh, hey, need you to do this thing today. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But we're rapidly growing. It's super exciting. I love it. The people are amazing. And they're, I work, I have been blessed in almost all of my jobs work with some of the kindest, hardworking individuals, both at Mozilla and at Trifecta. And I am grateful every single day for that. So yeah. Did you work with Amy at Mozilla? Amy Cal? Yeah. She's terrific. Love Amy. Yes, we were on the same team. So, and when I moved out of Mozilla and on a pocket, she moved in and was. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She's really, when you said you worked with really great people, I was like, I bet you, you worked with Amy because Amy's just a joy, you know, and I feel bad. I didn't ask Leah this earlier because I meant to, and I spaced, we did get into it a little bit, but not a lot. Um, you know, being on the internet, as you mentioned, all the time can really take a toll on your mental health and wellness and just, it really eats away at your brain, to be honest with you. Like I, I find sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) so how, like, how have you over the years, what tools have you put in place or like frameworks do you have in your head to kind of maintain some sanity and like work on your own mental health um just because working in social can be like really really taxing in not only the amount of time that we're spending online but also you know even in the best of companies a lot of times we really are fighting for budgets and trying to get some like normal amount of work and not be overloaded and stuff so like what have you done to to work on your own wellness uh, well, I am a ringing endorsement for everyone being in therapy. Uh, 
And yes, I have a therapist um, whom I talk to on the phone. So beautiful. I will 100% say I believe in therapy. And some of the other things I do is while I do need to be online a lot and in my previous roles even more, sometimes I just meant logging out of my channels, my personal ones, and just focusing on the work. And so if I'm working like, eight to, you know, whatever, just check the work channels. Focus on the things that you need to focus on, especially when there are highly unfortunate things happening on the internet. Yeah. Like sometimes there are hilarious things like fire Festival. That was probably my favorite day on the internet ever. <laughs> I won't lie. But then there are other times when there is mass tragedy occurring. Yeah. And so because you need to be online and also be like, hey, don't say anything. We need to be quiet. <laughs> That's another part of the role that people don't see. Um, having been a channel owner, uh, and I would say the Parkland was one of the hardest days of work. Okay. Uh, when I, uh, at Trifecta recently, after some conversations finally, we came up with a schedule so that two people that are channel owners, like my social media lead and previously we only had a media buyer, so that they're not working every weekend. Like, they, they shouldn't have to work every weekend also. That's yeah. another thing. These are jobs where you are always online. And people also expect customer service or troubleshooting, which, yes, I did that uh, when I worked at Firefox. Did right. like, I do that. So people need to also have boundaries and it's our jobs as fellow teammates to be able to be that support for someone. So having a team of nine other people who maybe they aren't the social lead, but can be trained on how to monitor the channels so that people can have time off. I think that's super important and it's being a good team member. It's being, uh, it's able, it allows you, if you're the channel owner, establish some boundaries as well. And I think everyone should learn how to establish boundaries within the roles they're in. Yeah. Quite often, we're not the people saving lives, right? So it's okay if you're like, I'm going to stop working at six o'clock. It's okay. And if it's not, maybe we should think about why it's not. And what can we do to get to a place where it's okay to do that? Definitely. That is sort of a... Uh, I wouldn't say saying, but that's definitely like a mindset that I've used a lot with work specifically in social media, because there is this sense from people that don't work in social media of like, okay, you have access to it all the time. Why aren't you doing it all the time? And there were times where I showed up to one job in particular where I would get to work and it would be like, Hey, somebody commented this on our Facebook post. How come you didn't respond yet? And it's like, okay, so I'm supposed like, woke up at 5.30, so you want me to check this before I get to work and then also when I get to work? Like, when am I allowed to be a human? I love what you said about logging out of your own personal socials. That is something that definitely I have never done and I probably should <laughs> um, because it is a really good way to, like, have a literal boundary where you're like, oh, that's not even an option to just automatically switch over. But I think also what you were saying about making sure that you have people trained on staff to take over when somebody else can't is not only helpful for the person taking time off, but it helps like other people have respect for the team where they're like, Oh, this isn't 
the same as it is when I'm logged into my personal Instagram or my personal Twitter. Like this is very different. And like, you're right. There are problems that I don't know the answer to and I don't want to be wrong. So I think it is almost like a, an empathy building tool um, that, that is like really, really helpful for people to have to go like, oh, this is why this person needs a day off. There's, um, I don't know if you know Santi, I think his last name is Pochat. Um, I don't know how to spell it. It's like P-O-C, or I know how to spell it, just not say it. <laughs> it's like P-O-C-H-A-T-I. Or no, A-T, no I at the end. Anyways, I think he was working on Samsung and he, their team had a really smart thing that they did where like, if you were on a, if you were in a role where you're doing community management, you weren't doing that all day long. It was like, they kind of rotated like three hour shifts. That way, not only would you not get burned out from community management, but that, but that like you were also building other skill sets. Cause I think that in our, in the social media realm, it can be really difficult at larger companies. Like I think of a company like Mozilla, it can be really hard if you start off as a community manager and they don't have leadership in place to help you get promoted to another role. It's really hard to get experience to grow out of community management when nobody will let you have experience unless you have experience. Yeah. And uh, people talk about social media being the pink ghetto, right? Oh my gosh. I have never heard that. Oh yeah. Oh my news to me, but yeah, accurate. Yeah. Quite often or a lot of people who work in social are women or in communications roles are women and are very undervalued. Yeah. And I really love the point of it drives home empathy because there are plenty of times you will have angry clients, customers, users, whatever the word you use for the people who subscribe to purchase, use your product and you might get berated and it has nothing to do with you. And seeing that over and over again can affect your mental health. And so learning to separate yourself from the work and yourself from the company is very important. And it's not, it's a skill. It is a literal skill. It is not something that you are taught and it's something you have to work on every single day. Is that something that you sort of learned over time on your own or is that something that your therapist has helped you with? Well, 100% my therapist. I will not pretend <laughs> as though I am so enlightened. Nope. I am in therapy for many reasons. That is one. <laughs> We'll be very honest. I have a great therapist. I love her. That's so great to have a therapist who like can kind of help because I, you know, what we do is so new that I imagine that there was a, a big chunk of time where therapists like didn't quite have the tools or training or know how to like navigate that exact thing, not only for people who do that, this for work, but also for people who just are really have a lot of their own self-worth in their social media and get a lot of their own personal self-worth for that. So how terrific to have a therapist who's like really thought about how to frame that. And like, it's funny cause it's actually like a therapist giving you healthy disassociation advice. Yes. <laughs> Which is something that my therapist is like, you disassociate too much. Like sometimes you have to be in your body and life is real. You can't just be escaping all the time. Lene. We, we have other things where the escaping, but for work, <laughs> you need to withdraw yourself a little bit. Right. Exactly. So you do currently work with um, micro influencers and 
I would love for you to talk a little bit about like how you frame micro influencers when you're talking to brands so that they understand the importance of micro influencers. Brands are like, oh, engagement. We want followers. Like vanity metrics, vanity metrics, vanity metrics. That's all I hear. Like, okay, well, I think the really important part is understanding like what is their one bottom line and what does that like C-suite or leadership team, what do they value? Because you always have to bring it back into the words and terms that they will understand. And so one big one is if you sell a product, do you want to sell more of it? Or are you trying to get traffic? What is the goal? And knowing where to go and who is going to bring you that goal is important. So just having very honest and open conversations about what are your goals? Like, and what are like, what are your short-term goals? What are your long-term goals? And what channels are you on? How do you intend on engaging with this content that is coming out? Because it shouldn't just be, they're going to do a thing. Great, cool, move on. No, it's, you need to also be there engaging or engaging with new micro influencers. So then they hear about your brand and maybe they become interested. It's a two-way street. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. And I think for people listening who like, cause I know a lot of people, I, I have like, I don't know, listeners are broken up in an interesting way where like some people are really seasoned and then some people are sort of like fresh out of college and like exploring different careers. And so when Sierra's saying, don't be looking only at vanity metrics, um, what she's also saying is like, be looking at what we tend to call like in the industry value metrics. And, um, and as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, th- that was like a really big lesson for me to like learn that phrasing so that I could kind of call like naming the thing, right? Because otherwise we know as experts, like, no, don't just be looking at their follower count. Oh, yeah, it's truly both of us. Sarah and I both just reached for our heads and like a true, like pull your hair out. Yes. Like very typical, like lady in an advertisement aggravated moment of just like, no, it's not just numbers. And the reason we say that and the reason that Sierra brings up like what your goal is, right, is because when you are trying to drive traffic to a product, it is unreasonable and in fact, like just a sort of uninformed expectation that you can both drive traffic to a product and grow followers. Oh, no. Yeah. Like these are not. Does not work that way. Yeah. This is not the way the cookie crumbles. You can focus on selling products, which, you know, if you take off your like marketer hat and put on your consumer hat, you will remember times that you've seen an advertisement for something and you've thought, yes, I would like that. Um, those Viore sweats look great. Oh man, I have seen and heard so much Viore. Oh, I just ordered some. I'm so excited. Yeah, podcasts <laughs> I listen to. That's one of the. <laughs> Let me guess, Tim Ferriss. Oh no, talking elite fitness because yes, I CrossFit. <laughs> oh, true, true. Yes, lest we forget. Um, and so, um, when I see a Viore ad and I'm like, oh yes, I would like to try. They're potentially overpriced sweats, but I've heard a lot of hype from people that I trust. So let's give it a shot. I think I have heard a lot. So there you go. You have heard, seen, traffic, all of those things that maybe aren't within the funnel, right? right? Thinking of the marketing and sales funnel that you've had plenty of top level moments at the top of the funnel. And now you're in the consideration page. So when you are looking at your analytics, that's when direct 
is where that will come up. Because if someone hears it on a podcast right. or they hear word of mouth, it is the direct right there. Yes. So is your direct going up? Cool. Exactly. And and I'm somebody that I, I may see a Viore Facebook ad and I may purchase the sweats. I may not follow Viore. And that is not your social media manager's fault. Like that is not anybody, like because your partner manager did the right thing and your social media manager is probably doing a great job for the people that are your target demographic. Yeah. Most marketers are not necessarily anyone's target demographic because we don't behave the same way other people do on the internet. <laughs> like I personally only follow brands because I'm nosy and I'm like, okay, I know these brands do a good job. I want to see what kind of tricks they're doing now. Um, other than that, I don't follow brands. Like, or if I want them to sponsor my podcast. I follow brands because I love them probably. Or they have lots of like middle of the funnel content right. that I find interesting. Exactly. Like, like there are very few brands <laughs> that I follow because I also want to like, like that I, I'm going to keep buying, right? Like I think some brands that I, that I purchase regularly, I'm not going to follow them, but I buy them all the time. And then there are other brands that I follow that like, there's only so many times that I'm going to like purchase certain items in my life, right? So it doesn't really matter if I'm following you or not, because at the end of the day, like I'm going to buy certain foods or clothes or whatever and so I think it's important for people to just remember that like if you're if you're in a position where you're working with executives or um, like anybody in a leadership role who says they have a goal, that is the goal that you're focusing on. When they bring up other tertiary goals, we call that the halo effect. Yes. So like you may. Yes. What is what words came out of their mouth that they have said they care about? That is what you care about. <laughs> Exactly. And so if you happen to gain followers, that's great. Yes. But the goal and, and also do not be expecting to like sell products through like free methods of marketing. Products are typically sold with influencer engagement, which, you know, that costs money to have somebody on board who's like managing those engagements or they're sold through paid advertising that you can click through. Typically somebody won't see your normal Facebook post or your normal Instagram post and then go, unless there's a promo code, and then also go, oh yes, I want to purchase that. Like that is not how it typically works. You also have to think about what are you, what products are you selling or are you trying to get people to subscribe to or what are the actions you are looking for someone to take? Because sometimes the action is, I just want you to click to our website. Sometimes it's, I am trying to get your email so you can become a lead. So then we can talk to you in a more sophisticated manner. So thinking about what are the actions you're hoping the consumers take is very important as well. And you're, again, people follow influencers. They don't necessarily follow brands. Right. Yeah, totally. That, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting. And I, I talked to Leah about this too, like how I was saying earlier, how people really just forget their own normal consumer habits and then like expect other people should be excited about their brand. And you're like, yeah, but you're a person who is also on Instagram. Do you give a hoot about other people's brands? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not a normal behavior. I think 
almost everyone has fallen victim as well to using internal speak externally. Totally. Have to find a way to get the correct message to your audience, the right content for the right people at the right time. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? And remembering that each channel probably has a slightly different audience is used differently. So you can't put the same content on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and uh, you know, your blog and expect it in YouTube and expect it to perform the same. Each channel is different and your content should be created for that, which I think oftentimes social media managers are in a bind. They're being told, I want you to post this on Instagram. And they're like, no, 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 that's not going to work. And then it's the, how come nobody liked it? Take it down. Well, uh uh-huh. I tried to stop this from happening. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, it is fascinating sometimes. Like, I mean, people would not expect that their billboard also worked as a TV commercial and also just someone could read that out loud for the radio. So it's like interesting that people don't apply that same mindset when it comes to how we behave on Facebook versus Instagram versus Twitter. Um, And it's, it's baffling to me, but I also am like, okay, most people are not marketers. Most people are not like really that aware of what Like when I think about people like my dad, right? Like my dad thinks that marketing is like a waste of money, (laughs) which is like, man, do we have the same dad? Probably. What do you do again? Every time those memes come up, I'm like, yeah, that's my, it's my family. Right. What do you do? How does that work? And like he, he's a um, adjunct professor and he teaches economics and I'll hear him just like going on about how like marketing is a waste of money and like you you know the quality of your product matters and I'm like sir first of all you're somebody who like goes and buys clothes like once every 10 years when you have a new girlfriend so like I don't think you're (laughs) (laughs) so I just am like you are not anyone's target demographic like I'm sorry to tell you (laughs) I have had to say those exact words to my dad. You are no one's target market. <laughs> so, like the rest of us are like looking for clothes that like fit us well and stuff like that. And my dad will just be like, "Oh, good pants." And I'm like, "Really? Just any old pants? Like you don't consider the fit, like, and the ooh, denim?" $49.99. Ooh, you got a coupon? <laughs> <laughs> that is a hundred percent my father. My father will still like if he wants a cup of coffee. He'll like, like, you know, those like random sort of like, uh, where there's like an industrial center and then there's just like a weird place in there that sells coffee. Like, that's the kind of place my dad will go to for coffee. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean you got like coffee from Denny's? Like what? Like, oh, yeah, I know. I'm like, what? Sorry, Denny's. I love you. (laughs) That's, I love their internet presence. Other than that, I'm cool (laughs) off Denny's. Like, I just, it's baffling to me. But then I really go like, you know, if you go to any tourist place in America, I look around and I'm like, oh, people are literally just going to a store and like purchasing clothing to put on. Like they're not, not everybody is thinking about like what fits best and like the product value and stuff like that. Like a lot of people are just purchasing for like, I need to have shoes on when I leave the house. I will go purchase a shoe. Oh, that's like everybody who comes to San Francisco and thinks that it's going to be warm in July. And, it is. <laughs> and so they buy the San Francisco fleece hoodie. <laughs> 
That is very accurate. Yeah, I lived in San Francisco for a while and it is, I like never used to get the joke because I'm from Southern California about like the, you know, there's that like Mark Twain thing of whatever. That's like the coldest this, summer I ever had was in San Francisco. And I was always like, huh? It probably wasn't him, but I. You're right. It was somebody else, but I think it gets attributed to him a lot. And like, I didn't get it until I lived there. And then all of a sudden, like, I remember one Christmas, it was like 89 degrees on Christmas you know, but it's like just cold the rest of the time. But anyways, yeah, it is, it is very fascinating how a lot of people just don't really understand that funnel like you were talking about. And so for anyone who's new to the workplace, can you, um, can you walk people through what the funnel is just so that people know the rest of the funnel? Oh, sure. So we have the top of funnel, which quite often, this is where your influencers and partners fit, to be quite frank. Most people are not going to be like, oh, yes, purchase. Right. right when they see the brand. So top of funnel is more of like the awareness. Then we, the funnel gets a little more narrow as people move through it. And then we have the like middle of the funnel or consideration. People are like, oh, well, okay, I heard of this thing. Like, let me go to their website or let me read this article where I got an email from them because I, they had this piece of content that I really wanted to download. And so I got an email from them and I'm learning more. So I'm reading their blog a little bit. Then the come down a little bit, maybe they get an offer. I'm like, oh, but I can get 15% off. Okay, like I'll try it. I'll buy this thing. So then they end up going down to the purchase part. So we're almost to the bottom. So like we've made we've gotten the purchase, guys. Woohoo! We got them to take that action that makes them a customer, a subscriber, a, a download. Um, you know whatever your product is, right? So then they're there. And the last part is turning them into an advocate because truthfully, word of mouth is the most powerful tool you can get. So having those people get excited and loving your product and having them be someone who is telling their friends, their family, they're posting about it on their social because they love it so much, they need to tell other people. Beautiful, thank you. Hopefully someone learned something today. I'm sure they did. Yeah, because that is something that I really, I didn't go to school for marketing or business. And so that was something that like, I wish somebody would have really just explained to me when I first started, because people would talk about like awareness level and you know, like we can, we're smart ladies, we can deduce what that means. Um, but then if you don't have like just having that construct, I think is really helpful when you're starting out in the space. Um, and trying to communicate with other people because like what you were saying before just knowing how people are talking about like you were using firefox as an example like talking like hearing how people talk about how they navigate the internet right and what kind of language they're using and just leveling on that is so important when we're talking to people outside of social because at the end of the day like most cmos most ceos like don't really care about your engagement rate like that doesn't mean anything to them. Like that is valuable to us to talk to other social media people when we're looking for a job yeah. <laughs> and to like prove our own success within, within our category. Yes. But like your CEO, your CMO cares about looking good to your CEO. So if you can just hit those like main points that they bring up and focus on those, which is really hard to do because to us, when we're in the weeds and we're in the daily work, 
we're seeing engagement rates and like that's what makes us excited about our work is when we see that something got really high engagement or that we had like a lot of follower growth or whatever that's not what's paying your paycheck like i'm sorry to say it but typically like unless you're at a media company those numbers really only mean something to your immediate team and everybody else is like are we making money like that's what we want to know like do, will we have money do and then that's how you get a raise <laughs> and it's good to you know benchmark against your competitors and to see where they're at and uh, you know hey like do you want to overtake them in this space like what does that mean what does it look like and understanding what your competitors are doing so that you can know what your target audience what kind of content they like what they're mm -hmm. looking for and how you can be different and stand out yeah Definitely. And what um, are there tools that you specifically prefer to use for benchmarking or do you sort of like do the math on your own? Um, we have a lot of tools. Oh, do tell. We, whew. and as we are rapidly growing as a company and we are moving into more enterprise level softwares. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of feelings in the social media management ad buying etc space about crimson hexagon and they merged with someone yes. but that was probably the most robust tool i've ever used and i personally really liked it agreed i had to do a lot of training and if i had to use it again i would probably be the person so can we have a weekly 30 minute like <laughs> so i can do this um another tool that i have grown fond of is Impact Radius, okay. which we use for our affiliate marketing and like partners there. Uh, it has a lot of power there and potential. And another tool that's quite interesting that we use is Grin. And it's essentially, it is not necessarily an influencer CRM. I wouldn't say that. Uh, but it provides a lot of things that you can do and use it as an influencer CRM and to find specifically, I would say micro influencers and to find those people who have high engagement rates and to look at what trends are happening at, at different places because the micro influencer is a little different than your like massive, like mega influencer of like several hundred thousand million followers. Like totally it's just different. Like these people have figured out their niche and they're growing and people like it and they're interested. So what's happening there that maybe you can replicate or partner with? Yeah, that's, um, and how do you spell the name of that tool? Grin? Yeah. Uh, e as in golf, I as in, what is it? India, is that it? Uh, or G-R-I-N. Yeah. Oh, like, so a smile, grin, that kind of grin. Okay, yep. cool. Yep. Yeah, that, um, that was actually my next question was what tools you use for influencer, like finding influencers and specifically micro-influencers because I know there's a lot of different tools floating around in that space. And so that's a really good context because that's a question that I get a lot. And I personally, like there was one that I used a couple of years ago that I found somewhat helpful and then I ended up just sort of like browsing. I would like find one person and then look and see who they followed and kind of go down my own rabbit hole because I yeah. found that I um, ended up finding like sort of just better fits that way. Um, mm -hmm. Because also I was looking at, you know, sort of when you're looking at, okay, will this person work for this category? Plus, will they work from an international perspective? Plus, let's make sure that they're very clean. <laughs> 
because you can't have like cursing and and that sort of thing uh what a liking like totally yeah and then i will actually throw this out there for listeners um it's like not necessarily off topic but i do highly recommend that if you're looking at an influencer and vetting an influencer um I put influencers through the same thing I put through anyone that I might go on a date with, which is I look up their name on Twitter with a bunch of negative terms to find out like, okay, is anyone saying that this person's racist? Because if they are, I want to know that, right? Because you're not, you may not see that immediately if you go to someone's Twitter or if you stream them on Twitch, you're not going to know that they've said something misogynistic or racist in the past. Um, and I think it's important that we hold people accountable to that and don't um, partner with people who behave that way and conduct themselves that way and like hold those sort of values. Um, and I do the same thing if I'm like gonna go on a date with, well, I really don't like dating, but if I'm like meeting somebody new and I'm like, okay, I wanna see what this person's about, I'll literally like find their name and look it up with like thief <laughs> and like racist or like assault <laughs> because I want to know like because Twitter is usually where people get called out in my experience um, and so I'll look up their handle but then also their name with those words you know just sort of one by one and go down the list of like all right at like you know have you been a monster <laughs> like let's find it out <laughs> Would we be caught on Scooby-Doo? Exactly. Like, pulling a mask off of you. Yeah, because if there's one thing I won't be, it's I won't be hiring people who are bad people, and I also won't be serving as an educator in a relationship. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, oh, my goodness. We've covered so much ground, Sierra. I'm, like, looking over at my notes, and I feel like we've really um, – covered a lot so you're going to be launching a podcast sometime in the next hopefully few months I hate to put you on the spot like that but I highly recommend that you follow Sierra on um do you prefer Twitter Instagram you can hit me up on everything except for Facebook Facebook not my friend beautiful don't like it don't like it nope don't like it Facebook nope but TikTok Twitter Instagram LinkedIn at I am underscore the H-B-I-C. Yes, I said it because I am. That's going to be my podcast coming in hopefully <laughs> the next few months. Beautiful. Um, so I highly recommend you follow her. And then I just have one more question. And this is what I close out um, all the podcast episodes with. What is something that you would like to hear a future behind the scenes episode about? Oh. Because we were talking about this earlier, I'm totally going to use this one, but I would love to hear more about water, like waterboard and city planning and how that affects different people and lives. And considering I have been saying since I was in college that I believe that water is going to be a resource we fight over um, very soon. And I don't know if you saw the tweet earlier that water is now a commodity, essentially, um we are headed in that direction so would love to hear about the future of water there and um, if you know you may have it anyone i believe it's from the native navajo and anyone from arizona who did any organizing there to get the election results that happened there beautiful these are both um 
Yeah, you don't have to do much convincing on my end to do, for me to do those episodes. So I might ask you to co-host because I would love, I don't know, I would love for you to like ask questions also. Terrific. Amazing. Thank you so much. And no, um, thank you so much for having me. I hope nobody thinks I'm a fool, but it's okay. You guys can follow me. I post my, my dog. He's real cute. Everybody. He's very cute. Painfully cute. Famous shark, like Game of Thrones. <laughs> Even though he's got those Jon Snow eyes and he just like looks up at you. He's real um, cute. And I'm very excited about her podcast. So please follow her to stay tuned on that. Yep. Now I really have to do it because not only did I say I was going to do it on Twitter, it is now here for everyone to hear. That's so- why I put you on the spot. I'm going to force <laughs> I'm gonna make you do it. I <laughs>
to be able to do that is so important. And that's something that I wish I knew sooner because managing up always happens. You will need to manage up at times and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. How did you learn how to do that? Like, was there books that you read or any, anyone that you follow that's helped you learn how, like learn and hone those skills? I, well, many of conversations with my father who I talked about, who's real cheap. Uh, (laughs) one, One book that he had me read when I was honestly a child because I was a child was the one minute manager. Mm. It's a really easy read. It's really quick. It still has some value today. I would say Uh, another book that I've read was executive presence, which is really geared towards women and people of color. There's some really great uh, snippets in there and sections in there, executive presence and truthfully working on your EQ will help as well. And so understanding, like for me, I have a very expressive face. So how do I present when I'm frustrated or angry or don't agree with something and acknowledging the emotion before the emotion comes out and what things do I need to do so that in the room, it's still okay. It's a safe space. I'm not changing the flow and the vibe So really just honing in on EQ and emotional intelligence is emotional intelligence 2.0, because if you buy the book, it's not that expensive. You can also take an assessment and it will tell you where you rank high and where you are ranking lower and ways you can combat that. That's a really good point. And, um, and what was my other, I had another question for you. Um, oh, I think. You know, we talk a lot about managing up, but for a lot of us, like, we don't know what that looks like until we see it. What are ways that, like, you've, I don't know, like, do you have any kind of concrete examples you can share about managing up or maybe, like, um, things, like, lines that you found yourself using frequently while managing up? Um, You know, honestly, the hardest part about managing up is understanding how to provide feedback and critical feedback. Feedback is something that I would say managers also and humans in general don't do well with. Mm -hmm. And this is because as individuals, we feel attacked as an individual when if the feedback is given properly, that should not happen. Mm -hmm. So the true skill is learning how to provide feedback. Feedback should be timely. It should be relevant and it, a great way to also provide feedback is to try and make it a conversation. Like, hey, Lene, do you have a couple minutes? Can I chat with you about something? Uh, I noticed that during the meeting, we were having a conversation and not everyone was participating. Did you notice this too? And give that person the ability to say something back and see if they agree. Another thing is you don't have to agree with the feedback. You, if you're receiving feedback, ask clarifying questions to make sure you understand what is happening. Mm-hmm. And then if you need time, you need time. I am someone who quite often, if put on the spot, is not ready to answer the question. At Agreed, the same. I need to process it for a second. And if I don't, that's when I can get 
myself into hot water. Mm-hmm. So I need to take a step back, think about it. And it might just be a couple of minutes. Like, oh, can we come back to that? Can we circle back to this? Yeah. And then I'll provide feedback. But yeah, making sure that it's timely, it's relevant, and that it's given in an appropriate manner. Chastising or scolding someone in front of people is not great. That is a 100% way to make someone shut down, turn off, feel attacked. No one wants that. So taking someone to the side or you know, following up in a Slack message. If you can do these things in person, great. In our current situation, it might be hard. Or maybe you're remote already. Like you've never worked in an office or haven't worked in an office in a long time. Can you hop on a video call and talk with the person? Mm-hmm. Just feedback is a critical part of being able to manage up. And if you don't agree with something, why? Making sure that you are not attacking the person and that you are talking about the problem and possibly a solution if you have one. Definitely. That's a really good point. One thing I remember that an HR person talked to me about, which I found really helpful, like you were saying, is to not talk about the person. But like when it comes especially to like things that people say is you know, being clear about the language that was used or what was said specifically so that it's not, I don't know, it's, I wish there was like, I'm sure there is online somewhere like a survey because I also, it takes me a while to process stuff. And so I also have tended to get myself into hot water if I give a response right away and learning to say, let me think about that has been just like an enormous just a normal, enormously beneficial for me to like learn and keep that in like the forefront of my brain of like, that is also an option, Lene. You don't have to have an answer right now. People can wait. We are not saving lives. This yeah. is not spinal surgery. I highly encourage people to observe some of the leaders within their company and notice they don't have the answers all the time. They will absolutely say, hey, let me get back to you about that. And they will. They absolutely will. And if you say, can I get back to you on that? And they say, yes, you need to make sure you get back to them. Yeah. Also that. Yeah. Definitely very important. Let me make sure I say that part. You do need to get back to them. (laughs) This isn't just like a forever, you know, you have a free ticket. Yes. Another one that I have to work on all the time is pausing. Mm-hmm. pause it's okay pause that is hard I couldn't even do it right then <laughs> See? Constantly, constantly working on that one and if if pausing is hard right maybe it's take a sip of water that will force you to pause then respond yeah well Good done one. <laughs> That was super helpful. Thank you so much. I'm really glad. Um, I'm really glad that we we covered that. I think that that's. Um, oh, you know what? One more thing. In addition to your reading recommendations, a friend of mine who I worked with, who's a really incredible leader, she said that she read a parenting book that actually like helped her a lot with management, also. And I think it's called How to Talk to Your Child So They'll or it's like how to listen to your child to, so they'll talk and how to talk to your child so they'll listen. Hmm. Or, you know, a play on those words, yeah. sort of. 
Um, it's either one or the other first, but um, I haven't read it yet, but she said that it's been really terrific in also how she works with teams and manages people. Um, so I imagine it would also be helpful in managing up because managing up is certainly not a strong suit of mine. And I've luckily had some really great colleagues who have helped me learn how to be better at it. But, you know, neither of my parents were really like had like office jobs. And so when you don't have that kind of model for you, it's like very hard to know where to go for guidance or like how to communicate because I grew up with like very blunt communication and that uh, doesn't go over so hot in a lot of corporate. My dad and my, my dad has gotten better. He would tell the world that he has three people skills, one for me, one for my sister and one the rest of the world has to share. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet. Yeah. He has gotten a lot better also because guess what? Dad also finally went to therapy for a little bit there. Oh, wow. I know. And my mother has become more blunt and as she's gotten older. And I was like, ooh, mom, I know that you're approaching the I don't care age, but like, I don't want to feel Yeah, just for us. Maybe a little, just a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> my mom used to be the one who was way more... Um, I don't want to say just sympathetic, but she was more careful in how she approached things. And now I'm like, oh, mom, no, we don't say that. Nope, nope, can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> what we're not going to do is that. <laughs> so. Man, oh, man. Yeah, what a party. <laughs> yeah. I love my mom. She's a right. She's a very nice, sweet woman. And then she's like, oh, you're right. I'm like, yeah, I am. Remember those people with feelings? Yeah, like your husband. Yeah, that is a big one. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes when I see people who've been in a relationship for a really long time, I'm like, ooh, y'all are way too comfortable with each other. Like a little mutual, just even fake respect wouldn't kill oh, Yeah, and then she's like, but that's not what I meant. And I'm like, I know. So let's work on different words then. <laughs> That's hysterical. I love it. Um, thank you so much, Sierra. This has been terrific. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry that I made you get back on. No, you're fine. You're fine. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of BTS Podcast. I'm so sorry it took me so long to release this episode. Sierra is terrific. Please do follow her on socials. She is great and very funny. You will find links to her reading recommendations in the description of this episode. Music on this podcast is by Benjamin Batherum. Thank you so much, Ben. You can find Ben on SoundCloud, also linked in the description of this episode. Please follow BTS Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Your support would be super appreciated of this podcast. You can become a monthly contributor at anchor.fm slash BTS Podcast. Thanks again.